Welcome to the Extraordinary Educators Podcast. Your hosts, Danielle Sullivan, National Director at Curriculum Associates, and Sari Labaris, Social Communications Manager at Curriculum Associates, are here to share actionable tips, best practices, and success stories to improve your classroom and drive student learning. Enjoy, and thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. This is Danielle. Hey, everyone. It's Sari. I welcome back to the Extraordinary Educators Podcast. We know there is a lot happening right now, and we hope we can provide you with insights, tips and best practices, and breathing room from the critical work you do. We are here to support teaching and learning wherever it is taking place. And we have a very special episode with you uh, for you today. With us today is Morgan Polikoff. So welcome, Morgan. Thanks so much for being here. We would love for you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Thanks very much. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Morgan Polikoff, and I'm an associate professor of education at the University of Southern California, Rossier School of Education, where I study standards assessment and accountability policies, and also recently the impact of COVID on American families and students' educational experiences. I know that you just recently wrote uh, a piece for the LA Times, and we'd love to hear what are some of the things that you've uncovered and discovered when it comes to the impact of COVID on students, educators, families, all of it? Sure. So um, I've been co-directing this study called the Understanding America study for the last uh, year, really focused on um, measuring the longitudinal effects of the pandemic on people's educational experiences. And we've uncovered a number of findings that I think have sort of um, uh, reached the broad audience by now. So things like, you know, we've categorized the magnitude of um, the digital divide, right? That low-income students are much less likely to have access to technology. We've talked about, we were one of the first people to find um, this, this really important finding that, that there's big racial gaps in uh, parents' desires to send their kids back in school. And we're seeing that play out now um, in a lot of districts around the country. Um, we've investigated things like preferences for mask wearing in schools, which by the way, very high support for people wearing masks in schools. And we've also recently been investigating, um, really focusing on, um, you know, how concerned are folks about uh, their children's well-being? And, um, and, and we think that that aligns really well with some of the data that we're seeing from curriculum associates and other places about what are the impacts of the pandemic on students, um, you know, both learning and also other kinds of outcomes that we care about. That's a perfect segue to my next question. I, I loved how in the piece that you wrote, you said, first, we need accurate ongoing measurement. And it, if you just stop there and read that, I think most educators, most policymakers, everyone would think, okay, standardized tests, right, immediately. But then your sentence doesn't end. It says not just of student learning, but also of student social and emotional health and well-being, which is so important now. And Danielle and I have interviewed a lot of teachers on the podcast talking about that. So I would just like to dig a little deeper there. Like, what do you mean by that? What else have you found? And, and why is that so important now more than ever? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, what we've, what we found is that, that parents are concerned, not just about, you know, learning loss for lack of a better term or whatever you want to call it, unfinished learning. Um, but they're concerned about um, students' mental health. They're concerned about students, um, you know, having access to friends. Um, and, uh, and we've seen, uh, data, uh, other kinds of data as well that, that point out that uh, 
that, that give reasons for that concern, right? So increases, for instance, in, you know, um, students' depression or suicidal ideation. These are things that we need to be very concerned about. So, um, you know, what I think that this means is that, um, is that we need uh, it to really understand the magnitude of this problem, not just overall, how are students doing, but how are different students doing it, right? Everyone has experienced this pandemic differently, different sub, you know, different student groups have experienced it differently. We've seen uh, a great deal of variation among uh, communities. And, you know, we, we just need uh, people to, to um, we, we, we really need to get good data on uh, what these uh, consequences are. And those can be helpful when we're thinking about, you know, spending the recovery funds that have recently been passed by the federal government to target interventions for these groups. So I think we need surveys of students when they're back in the classroom. I think, you know, if parents can be involved, that's great too, because they give a different perspective. But I just think we need really systematic and ongoing measurement, not just now, but then six months from now, a year from now, to really track the impact of the pandemic long term and also the interventions that were implemented. I whole, wholeheartedly agree with um, understanding the impact. And I'm, I say this often, I'm very curious to see what this will, what, what the impact actually is. Cause I think we're starting to see like you're, you're sharing in the data where trends are starting to emerge, but as students return into buildings more and as um, they start to see their friends and realize how much they actually were missing. It'll be very interesting to see what the ramifications are and how, again, educators, which hopefully they will adapt. Educators have been very resilient and very amazing during this entire time to adapt and support. So on that note, we would love to hear uh, some ideas or things that you've seen in the data Anything that are specific actions uh, that educators could take now, knowing that there are trends emerging, that um, mental health, wellness, all of those uh, topics are really essential for students and families. So are there are there other things that you notice in the research that is uh, really great actionable strategies for educators? Well, the great thing is that there's a lot of people who are out there thinking about this. You know, just yesterday, I saw a really nice piece from Linda Darling-Hammond that laid out some, it was in Forbes, as I recall, and it laid out some, a variety of different kinds of strategies that um, uh, schools and districts should be pursuing, um, you know, and those range from the things that we've all heard about before, right? Everyone's talking about tutoring. Yes, we should do tutoring, right? Tutoring is high quality tutoring can really improve student learning. But I think it's it's more than that. It's really, especially I, you know, my opinion, right, in in the spring and and before the school year ends, it's about it really is about engagement. It's about uh, you know doing activities and learning opportunities that get students excited about um, about school again, uh, get them interacting with their peers again. Um, it's about, uh, you know, I think it's about um, maybe focusing on the most foundational um, kinds of skills so that they're really ready to progress to the next grade and um, uh, moving into the next year. So um, I, I think maybe, uh, you know, being narrow and deep in terms of what you really focus on on the content side. Um, I think it's about uh, even things as simple as like getting outside, right? We know, for instance, that, uh, that, transmission of COVID is, you know, very, very low or virtually non-existent outside. And, uh, and we're getting to a place where the weather's better in most places and, and you can do those kinds of things. Um, 
And, you know, again, I think it's just really about demonstrating, um, you know, demonstrating caring and understanding for the, the trauma that students have gone through. Um, and, uh, and really about sort of coming, <laughs> for lack of better terms, sort of like coming together as humans, right? And, under, and like, just working together through this, we've all been through so much. And again, all of us have experienced it very differently. And I think, focusing on that and, and, you know, nothing high stakes for students. I think that that's the path forward. And so important, just really starting with the relationship building, just the understanding of where everyone's at mentally, because if, if you don't have that, there's no foundation of trust. And even if you taught the best lesson on X standard, it's not going to, it's not going to click and, and nothing will follow. And so I think all of those tips will be really helpful for our educator listeners. So thank you for that. Morgan. And before we wrap up today, we would love to just talk about the book that you have coming out. If you can tell us a little bit about the book, where folks can buy it. And then we also have a, a discount code as well that we'll link in the show notes. Sure. Yeah. So for the last 10 years, I've been studying standards. Um, that's sort of been the area of interest since actually since I was in my pre-service teacher education program, understanding um, how we can support teachers to better implement standards in the classroom. And the book, which is called Beyond Standards, and it comes out uh, uh, May 11th, really argues that um, that the standards movement just hasn't had the impact that it, its advocates claimed, and that in large part that's because um, really states in particular have not done a good enough job supporting um, schools and districts and individual teachers to implement the standards. And I think you know the primary things that I focus on are. Um, supporting teachers with high quality curriculum materials so that they don't have to spend time seeking out, you know, tons of uh, lessons on Pinterest uh, and teachers pay teachers. Um, stuff that really instantiates the, the core standards. And it's not just about giving someone a book, right? It's about helping them understand uh, what the book is trying to accomplish and providing them with the supporting materials as well um, and, the, and the instructional system around that. Um, and then, uh, you know, beyond just providing teachers with quality curriculum materials, I think it's really about um, states taking uh, the lead on this issue. We've seen individual states like Louisiana and Rhode Island are two states that I think of that have really taken very seriously the idea that we shouldn't leave it up to all 13,000 school districts to go out and figure out what's the right professional development. If we know that this core material is in use in 70% of our school districts, we can provide good professional development. We can, uh, you know, provide uh, supplement, we can modify that curriculum or provide supplemental materials to make sure that that curriculum is culturally responsive to the kinds of students around our state. And that's the sort of thing that really a State Department of Education is sort of uniquely positioned to do. And I think what we've done is the state has kicked the can to districts and districts have kicked the can to teachers. And it's left teachers with this really difficult task of trying to come up with an aligned curriculum or source materials out there. And that's that's really not what it should be about. It should be about supporting teachers to implement quality materials well, to work together, to um, improve that implementation over time. Um, and so that's what the book is about. Um, and I think that it would really be of interest in particular to, you know, folks in district offices, um, uh, people who are really interested, people who are curriculum leaders in schools and districts, but really anyone who wants to understand the standards movement and how it's played out. So fascinating and just 
so much yes, yes, and yes to everything you were saying. I think there's so much time spent in education, reinventing the wheel, redoing this PD. And it's like, there are things that are working really, really well. And so why can't we duplicate those efforts and give back teachers time doing what they want to do, which is teach and analyze the data and plan with the high quality curriculum that they should have already and really dive into those standards and understand the content more rather than, like you said, going on teachers pay teachers, which is unfortunately how a lot of people have to spend their time now. So I can't wait to read it. And, and thank you so much for explaining that to our listeners. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that it will resonate with some people. I, I think that, uh, you know, everyone's going to agree with a big chunk of it. And probably there are parts that not everyone's going to like, but that's the point, right, is to provoke discussion. And we, you know, we've just been doing standards for so long, and we really need to think about what's the best path forward for this kind of reform. Absolutely. Very exciting. Um, unfortunately, though, that is all the time we have for today. But we we ask our uh, guests this essential question. So we would love for you to leave any parting thoughts to our listeners as they you know think about going back to school in the fall or just based on anything we talked about today or something new. What would you want to share with our listeners um, as we wrap up? Well, I would just say, you know, um... I'm not a big fan of all this talk about like reinventing schooling or something like that. Oftentimes I think that that's sort of pie in the sky, but I do think that there really is an opportunity with the funds that the federal government has given um, to uh, to provide high quality supports um, and supports that really address the specific negative consequences of the pandemic. And what I hope is that, I wanna go back to where we started, that measurement really matters, that we, you know, that schools and districts um, identify what the problems are, craft uh, or implement interventions that support those problems, and then and then have an evaluation plan in place or partner with researchers to understand what's working and what's not. Um, and I think that, that we have this unique opportunity because of these funds, and I hope that some districts uh, take it up. Awesome. Thank you so much, Morgan, and thank you for your time. We know you are quite busy, so we really appreciate uh, chatting with you today. Uh, and as My pleasure. Always, yeah, thank you. And as always, you can follow along with us on Twitter at Curriculum Associ, and we will also link Morgan's Twitter in the show notes, as well as a bunch of other links to his article and the book and the discount code and, and other uh, research pieces that Morgan mentioned. And as always, please be sure to tag us in your post so we can see the amazing work you do every single day. If you have feedback about the podcast, a topic of interest, or want to be a guest, you can email extraordinary educators at cainc.com. This is about you. We are here for you. So until we meet again, be you, be true, be extraordinary. This podcast is produced by Curriculum Associates and is the copyrighted material and intellectual property of Curriculum Associates.